Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. Let's dive into this thing, and we're going to find out how in the world you wound up. You know, Christian is the founder and CEO of AudioMob, and AudioMob is rapidly expanding. They got started in 2020, believe it or not, and right before the pandemic. That seems to be the sign of greatness for so many companies for some perverse <laughs> reason, Christian. And as he's a millennial, and so you know, when we were looking for millennials to spotlight, his name came up because he was in the uh, Forbes Under 30 Entrepreneur of the Year for 2021. And so uh, quite a recognition. And because uh, there's a lot of people out there that are buying for these awards, his company that he started in 2020, revenues up to over 12 million. Is that right? I mean, we look for these figures and we never know if they're actually right. Does that sound close? I've heard 12. I've heard up to 50. Yeah. It's in the high single digits. Uh, over the lifetime of the company, though, uh, we've reached double digits. But uh, yeah, on a yearly basis, in the high seven digits. And so what we're in, looking at a company evaluation, mm. a lot of people feel good about what you've got going on because the valuation is up at 110 mm. million. And so in a short period of time, you really made something special. In fact, you were telling me how many offices you have. Yeah. What did you say? 20 offices, headquarters, and, you know, here we are. We're talking to the guy that started all this now, <laughs> and <laughs> he's got already got, it takes a while to open up one office and get it in operation, but now he's in 20 offices. you got 20 locations and headquarters. He's got a headquarters. And the global headquarters is in uh, London, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. So the global HQ is in London, a large engineering office in Abu Dhabi, multiple sales offices. The main one we're concentrating on expanding is uh, New York. And in terms of our player base in over 100 countries, right? I mean, we've got a larger player base than the Instagram has, you know, individual users. So yeah, we operate and can be accessed in a lot of countries. Now, let's talk about, first of all, probably for perspective, what actually does AudioMob do? And uh, I could read what they've got down here for me, but explain to me in uh, uh, layman's terms exactly why this thing is such a hot commodity. Yeah, so I will give the, the, the explanation that I always use in public when I'm like talking on stage. So let's say that you are racing a car in a mobile game, right? When you crash that car and an advert pops up, you get these like 40 to 45 second ads. You see them on YouTube, you see them when you play games. Usually you'll be blocked for 40 to 45 seconds and it's quite an annoying experience. Rather than racing and playing the game, you're blocked by an ad. Now with us, what happens in this example, is let's say the car crashes and you want to you know, rebuild your car. Or let's say you want to boost or something. Rather than getting a video ad that pops up for 40 to 45 seconds, an audio ad plays out of the car's radio and you continue driving. Wow. So it's called, uh, the format that we created is called in-game audio. And it's a way for advertisers or anyone that wants to distribute a message, like a government, for instance, to distribute that message without disrupting gameplay. 
Now, where the scale here is that there are more people that play games than, than use any other digital medium. And that's how we got so big so quick. There's more people that play games than any other digital medium. That's why you have more users, more players than there are users of Instagram. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we closed the world's biggest developer like three or four months ago. And then our player base just went through the roof. I mean, we can deliver more audio ads than Spotify now, right? Because there's hundreds and hundreds of millions of users that, that play these games. When you integrate into more than one, and we've got six of the top 10 developers, your player base gets very big very quickly. And your customer, is it, are they the players or the developers that are making the games? So we have three main participants, if you will. So you have right. the gamer, the user, the one that is consuming the ad and playing the game, they like our product and prefer us to any other ad format because they can continue playing the game. You've got the game developer that integrates our technology so that their players can listen to these audio ads. We have a various revenue share agreements with them. So they are a kind of a customer. And then you have the advertisers that are paying the ad budgets to distribute those campaigns. And, and we also sell to them as well. And they can access a very wide pool of people at a price efficient price entry point. And it's a completely new audience that they would have never been able to access before. So those are the three main participants that we uh, cater to. And so how do you pop over and get this major? How big is the operation in the UAE? You told me that earlier, Richard. So, yeah, there's about 20, 24 engineers that are based there right now. Yeah, it's pretty big. Are you doing it for the scale of uh, economics? Why are you in the UAE? Really good question. A lot of people ask us this and investors as well. So multiple reasons. One, from a device adoption perspective, uh -huh. the UAE and, and MENA in general, people have more devices per person than most other places in, in the world. So in terms of the amount of messages, the amount of players and gamers there are, it's insane. Really? Next thing is there is a massive gaming revolution, if you will, happening over there right now. And gaming and media entertainment is one of the main government initiatives across the UAE MENA. So anyone that's a gaming company, media tech company. Explain Amina. Oh, MENA, UAE MENA. Oh, okay. So you've got you know, Saudi, you've got Saudi and you've got Qatar and you've got MENA. And then within the UAE, you've got um, key territories like Abu Dhabi, for instance, or Dubai. So um, it's all the Middle East where they're split up into different geographical uh, blocks. But both of these blocks gotcha. have a massive mandate to, and you might have heard of this 10 years ago, to expand outside of oil trade. Right. They're very defensive. They're very defensive about that. We're not just an oil economy. In fact, it's kind of amazing how they've shrunk the percentage of dependent on oil and energy. They've done a good job of that. Oh, like. yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look in the news, right, and everything from sports leagues that are being um, bought up to the fact that uh, there's a gaming studio called Savvy Games. Many people don't know about this. It's the world's most capitalized gaming studio. It's got a $40 billion endowment in order to buy gaming studios to add to their portfolio. And then you've got all these other incentives such as, you know, office space and attracting game developers and, you know, subsidizing game developers' salaries. Like, there's all of these different incentives. And what you have now is like a super hub. 
it's like Silicon Valley out here in terms of the amount of different businesses here that are all thriving because of the amount of help that they've actually got from the and the governments out here. So yeah, it's an amazing place to be. And in terms of like, you know, getting engineers, we've got engineers from all around the world, like a head of engineering from Finland and we've got people from France and everyone wants to work in the sun out here. So it's been really, really good for hiring as well. For those of you who are sick and tired of fooling around and are dead serious about wanting to move up fast, I've got something especially for you. I've combined the best insights from over 40 years in business and making $70 million in income and compressed them into a free webinar. That's right, it's a free resource. If you want to find out exactly what the concepts are that I use in coaching million dollar earners, register now at widelonwinning.com. You'll discover the five-part framework used by so many to reach their financial, personal, and professional goals. You can find that link in this episode's show notes. Well, is it something where, I mean, is it one place more the hub than others? There is a Silicon Valley. Is it Abu Dhabi? Is it, I I lost my mind, but you know, where in Dubai, is there one location that is like the hub and then the others are like subsidiaries? Really, really good question. And I'd say whilst Dubai is known for... I'll tell you why, Chris, I'll tell you why. There'll be people listening to this to say, I got to check <laughs> <Yeah>. this out. <laughs> you know, I'm behind the game here. I've got to make a trip. I've got to get on the internet. And so I'm trying to help them center their search yeah. to figure things out. But go ahead. Yeah, no. So, I mean, whilst, you know, Dubai is known for like, you know, holiday destinations and there's a lot of uh, kind of travel and tourism around Dubai... Abu Dhabi is like absolutely the key hub. And there's two uh, like main um, entities, right? So there's AD Gaming are doing amazing things for the whole ecosystem in terms of getting more companies out here and really promoting the whole aspect of gaming in the region. And then there's a program that we're also part of called um, 2454, uh, which is uh, like a gaming and media entertainment hub. So Abu Dhabi is like a gateway to the Middle East, so to speak, for all kinds of businesses. And that's where... Any founder I know that has moved out here has done it through Abu Dhabi. And I know Dubai is starting to come up with similar programs as well. Well, when you started out, let's kind of reverse gears. How we've got the lay of the land a little bit. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in London and Bedfordshire. So I spent a large part of my childhood growing up in Bedfordshire. It's the countryside, like an hour outside of London. And then I spent a lot of my young adult life in London before I uh, started traveling for work. Now, when you... uh grew up, somehow you got infected with an entrepreneurial Mm. spirit. And as a veteran of wasting a quarter million dollars in eight months of my life in 2003, trying to build a sales force in the UK and not being able to find one single Brit that had any kind of motivation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Everybody who had the motivation was from some other country, you know. <laughs> you know, it's just like, can you find me a Brit who has a friend who can sell his friend something or her friend something? I mean, it was like, has enough credibility, has enough want to where they can make some extra money. That's just unbelievable to me, the lack of motivation. <laughs> Is that unfair? <laughs> I will give a diplomatic response for this. <laughs> 
you're not being paid by the government. So, no, what I'll say is that that definitely rings true in more industries than others. And what I have noticed in, in not my space, but I'd say the tech space in general, I have found that the drive of people that emigrate will immigrate into countries or emigrate to other countries, they are that the drive is different, right? And I see this from CEOs that I aspire to, all of them are immigrants, right? There is that kind of drive where you come right. from humble beginnings, exactly. you go somewhere, you start from nothing, and then you like rise up. And I kind of see where you're coming from because some of the best salespeople I've ever I've worked for have always been a kind of foreign to the place that they're selling in. Right. Yeah. And so, but you know, it could be, I don't have any studies, but it could be that's where the millennials come in, where they grow up and like the culture has been this so long. The the kids come up as a way of rebelling against the status quo. They want more, they want to take charge. Yeah. And the way they rebel is becoming industrious <laughs> and actually building companies and things. In fact, I just saw earlier today on YouTube, they had a thing about the uh, trying to renovate West Virginia, you know, the big coal company uh, country up there. And they were talking about, there was this young girl on and she said, I've got a degree. She's on the first one in my family to have a degree. But she said, my goal is to make this uh, state known for something other than drugs and coal, <laughs> <laughs> you know, wants to reinvent the image. That could be something where, you know, through the gaming, through the internet, through YouTube, through social media, a new generation is coming up with a fever because the exposure is like beyond seeing pretty gorgeous girls on there and makeup, how you do makeup and things like that, the superficial, they're also getting infected with the entrepreneurial spirit these kids in a way that it kind of a mass exposure and also they're being exposed to competition. You know, like usually we grew up in schools, you know, where we're playing sports and you develop the, you know, most of the people went out in the business world and amounted to something were really good athletes or participated in sports in high school, you know, but not everybody got exposed to that. But now you have all these gamers everywhere Again, you know, more opportunities to become competitive and to learn how to compete. It's kind of like a lion cub has to be taught how to hunt by their mother. They've got that desire, but you got to teach them and develop that. You know, you open up that side of their personality, but you do see that happening around and you're a beneficiary of it worldwide. And so uh, congratulations to you for figuring that thing out. So you're growing up, you're in uh London, you're in, what'd you say, Bedfordshire or? Bedfordshire, yeah. Yeah, Bedfordshire. I'm not familiar. I, I didn't make it there. But anyway, that's country, right? That's outside. Yeah, countryside, yeah. And uh, countryside. And so when did you get a, infected with the idea of, I want to do something different. I want to do something special. And where would you say your competitive, your questioning, you know, your drive came from? So when I was 11 and I started getting an interest is into why my father and my uncle, for instance, uh, they were contractors under their own company and they like were technical consultants, engineers, before my dad moved into you know, foreign exchange trading. He always worked for himself. And I definitely had a privileged upbringing. So I was always wondering like, right. why my dad worked the way that he did. And then I met my family friends and godparents who are now my mentors as well. And they worked for themselves and they all lived very freely and were very happy compared to a lot of people that I knew, heard about or read about that were unhappy in their roles. And it looked really cool to like do your own thing. 
And when I was 16, 16, 17, that was the turning point for me. So well, what happened was I remember I failed all of my um, A-levels. And, and for those of you that don't know that are outside of the UK, these are exams that you need to take to get into university. I got the equivalent of like, a, I don't know, one GPA or whatever it was. I failed everything. Yeah. I had the two options. I could retake two years worth of tests in my final year, or I could repeat a year. And if there's one thing I'm allergic to is wasting time. So I was like, okay, I need to retake this in a year, figure out how to get to uni. And I had like a flash forward in terms of growing up to be, you know, one of those people that didn't amount to anything because the priorities weren't, you know, set straight. And um, what I did was I was thinking, okay, I need to figure out how to become smarter to get the grades. And I kind of floated into entrepreneurialism that way. So I started with economics. I was like, okay, how do I increase my economics? I know I like practically doing things. I'm a practical learner, I guess. Let me try and come up with something practical with economics. At this point in time, my dad was getting into FX trading and I started like playing around with a demo account and analyzing FX and use that in economics, which was working somewhat, but I wanted to do more. I wanted to actually make money. You need quite a lot of minimum money for, you know, a 17 year old at the time. Um, I needed like a thousand dollars or something. So what I did was I started thinking, okay, next problem. How do I make more money so I can trade? To do that, I needed way more than the job I was working at Primark. Uh, that's the equivalent of like a, I guess you could say a pound store for clothing or something. So I wasn't earning, earning much. And there was a problem within my year. There was these under 18 events that were uh, running and everyone was complaining about fights breaking out and the, the venues were very shabby and shoddy, sticky floors, that kind of thing. And um, I went to my best mate, like my, like my brother, uh, best mate to this day, uh, Zach, and I was like, dude, these are really easy problems to fix. And I think we can make a lot of money. You take 600 students, you take uh, the venue, you create some UV filter like tickets so that the people can't replicate the tickets. You do all this stuff, solve all these problems. We can be making thousands and thousands of dollars like a week. We eventually solved all these issues, made profit. And then I used the profits to start trading FX to improve my economic scores. So I kind of like went through this iteration of problem solving and trying to figure out how my mind works. And that is something I carried through university and outside of getting good grades and getting straight A's, I used it to get work experience to then learn how to code. It was like a real catalyst moment for me actually going through that experience. Thanks for listening to the Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whitealamwinning.com. Thanks for listening.